Hello, and welcome back to the Nick Anderson Fitness Podcast. I am here with my friend Casey. I'm super excited for today's episode because Casey is fucking awesome. Uh, Casey, for those who don't know you, uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us what you're all about. Yeah, I love it. So obviously, my name is Casey. Um, I'm a registered dietitian right now under a local meal prep company. So um, Visionary Meals, it's in the Columbus, Ohio area. So for those of you in the area, definitely check us out. But yeah, I kind of got into the industry. I was an athlete for a competitive gymnast for 10 years. So that was kind of the beginning of my kind of athletic career and then just sustained some injuries. Um, and so I ended up quitting that, but I understood the importance of nutrition for performance in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, and at first I really had a passion and I thought that I was going to work with athletes my entire life. Like that was where my heart was at, but Turns out I just love working with people who want to get stronger and healthier. And I'm sure you're the same way, Nick, like it's the best just getting someone in, um, you know, in good shape and like feeling good about their habits. And that's kind of where, where I'm at now. So I work with um, all kinds of people, athletes, you know, what we call general population, um, just people who want to better and improve their lives. So yeah, I love where I'm at now. Um, but that's kind of how I got started in the industry. Yeah, that's awesome. Cause I think that's something we don't talk about enough in the industry industry is nutrition for performance. Like there's so much nutrition for weight loss, for muscle gain, et cetera. But like actually how it affects your performance in the gym is something that it's an underrated topic. I think we should kind of dive deep on that. So tell me more about like how you, as a, as a registered dietitian, how you like prescribe as kind of the word I want to use. It's not really the one that fits, but how do you, how you prescribe nutrition for performance? Yeah, I love that. So I think first it's important to note that pretty much anyone can be considered an athlete, right? You, usually when we say athlete, we typically think of, you know, your endurance sports or your football players, but it can be really anyone who wants to improve their performance in the gym. Um, so anyone who, you know, has a specific performance goal, whether that's getting a pull up, um, you know, getting more push ups back squats, like whatever your goal is. Um, I think pre and post-workout nutrition are of the utmost performance. They really are. Um, and super underrated. So I usually go about it. First of all, figure out what your goal is, um, and kind of gear pre and post-workout nutrition for that. So this is mostly for people who are a little bit more serious, um, about weightlifting or have a specific goal. And typically pre-workout nutrition, as we know, um, or as you know, Nick is a lot of carbs and protein. Um, so if you're training fasted, not as big of a deal to get a meal in before. Um, like if you train first thing in the morning, but make sure that last meal the night before has some good carbs, um, and a good amount of protein in it as well. And then if you are able to get a meal in before your workout of the day, um, you know, a couple hours before, or even right before some quick digesting carbs and protein are always good. Um, and then post-workout, same thing, maybe adding in some complex carbs, maybe some fat sources, but something that's going to get nutrients into your muscles right away to kind of start that recovery process. Yeah. It's funny how much of a difference it makes when you don't actually have that pre-workout meal. I hit the gym. I think it was like a week ago and I just like, didn't have time. I'm like running out the door and I didn't eat anything before. And my lift was absolute shit. (laughs) I didn't want to be there. Everything felt like it was a thousand pounds. And yeah, it really goes a long way because I'm so used to getting some kind of quick digesting carbon before, before a workout. And that's something that I used to do before 
before I knew things, let's just say. Um, I would not eat before a workout and always wondered why workouts felt so hard for me. And, you know, if you're sitting here wondering why your workouts feel so hard and it's you're not eating before your workout, like there's your answer. Yeah. Or even the right, like, even if you eat before your workout, but you even feel sluggish. Like a lot of times I find that people, maybe if you have a super fat heavy meal and it's Mm. just like weighing you down, you know, it's important. That's why macros are so important because each of them has a specific role, especially in performance. Um, So kind of looking at your meal before too, like sometimes if I have a full stomach, like I would much rather train fully fasted than a full stomach. Oh God. Yeah. (laughs) You know how that goes, you know, digestion. Oh, we could talk about that, but yeah, it's a, it's a really important to kind of look at your food choices in particular and kind of narrow down, like what's going to help your performance and what's going to hinder it. Yeah. I think there's definitely a balance there of, um, you know, not eating an entire meal before. Like, I'm just thinking of the uh, the episode of The Office where Michael <laughs> Scott eats an entire thing of Alfredo <laughs> before yes. a run. Yep. Like, that's that's what literally what you're going to feel like. You're going to throw up. Like, it's not going to be pretty. Don't do that. So, I literally. mean, for me, just like a couple of quick things. Like, I'll have like two granola bars on the way out, like 100, 200 calories of just carbs and I'm good to go. Versus if I had like four or 500 calories or something like I would feel that sloshing around in my stomach for my entire workout would not feel good yeah Yeah, Yeah. I love it and that's something too like it's a little you know for general population people if they're not really geared towards performance it's one of the more intricate things that probably isn't like the biggest deal but if you do like we talked about have a performance goal it's so important and it's so underrated like even do a little experiment on yourself try having a nice pre-workout meal and then try having a not so great pre-workout meal (laughs) and just feel the difference like you'll notice it instantly yeah, definitely. And that's something that I've definitely noticed since I started doing like my powerlifting stuff is my workouts are so much more challenging. And I used to be able, I used to be able to can't talk used to be fine for me to uh, just like go in the gym with barely anything in my stomach. But now it's like, you know, I'm pushing heavy weight, I'm pushing really high volumes. And if I don't have something, I am going to just bomb out on my lifts. So yeah. I guess it kind of depends on what your goal is in the gym. If your goal is to kind of just get into the gym and, you know, build a little bit of consistency and like building good habits, it's probably not as important for you. You might feel a little better on it, but you know, if your goal is to like improve your lifts, keep getting better, then I think it's one of those like missing links. It's, it's not super low at the base of the pyramid, but like, if you want to make, these improvements, I think it's going to be important for you. Yeah, totally agree. Love it. So tell me more about your um, meal prep thing, because I'm interested in that. Yeah, for sure. So like I said, we're uh, we're a local meal prep company. So just in the central Ohio area right now, Um, but we're expanding to all of Ohio here very soon. And basically our company, it's a little bit of a different model than your traditional meal prep. So we also offer obviously the pre-made, you know, convenient meals. We have like chef specials every month, um, a rotating menu, and then just some like core um, meals that we have, but we also do buy in bulk options. So this is really good for people who want to prepare 
prepare their own meals, but they just want to have things like already cooked. So they don't have to worry about, you know, cooking your protein, cooking your veggies. You can just buy them by the pound and then prepare them with whatever dish you like. So um, that's something that with my clients, especially like is super helpful if they live in the area because they're just like, all right, buy a pound of steak. You already have it cooked and seasoned and you just like add it to your meals. That's super smart. I don't think many meal prep companies are doing that because um, the gym I work with, work at works with a meal prep company. And it's basically just like, here's your package. Everything's cooked thrown in the microwave. You're good to go. But there's nothing like that where you can just like have pre-made protein already because I get sick of eating the same thing all the time. Like their menu is maybe like eight options. And I'm like, I don't really want those things. So like, what if I want a different carb with this? What if I want a different vegetable with this? So that's really smart. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And I found it too. Like, it's important that of course, like pre-packaged meals are important for people who are on the go and they don't have time to cook or don't have the desire. But I feel like as a lifelong strategy, like teaching people how to actually prepare their own meals and like portion them out. And I feel like that's a really important and underrated aspect too of those because, okay, you've got your protein already cooked, but then you get to make and prepare the rest of the meal, which shows you how to actually, you know, cook your own meals eventually. So I think it's, it's super underrated in that way too. Yeah, definitely. It, it teaches you a lot more about like how to actually prepare a meal versus just grabbing something like, like going off a meal plan. Right. And we can, we can make that a whole topic too about meal plan. How do you Casey as a registered dietitian feel about meal plans? Yeah, this is a, Oh, this is a fun one. So obviously like in most States, RDs are the only ones that are actually able to write meal plans. Um, not everyone follows that, but that's kind nope. of the rule. <laughs> yeah. So I, it's hard because I see it two ways. One way is someone who is pretty advanced in nutrition, already has the basics down. Maybe they're super busy or they have a specific goal and they come to me and they're like, Casey, I already know what I need to do. I just want you to tell me what to do. Like, I just need someone there writing me a plan. I'll follow it. Like, I already know all this. So in that case, I'm a little more open to writing someone a meal plan when they already come to me, like pretty educated. Um, But for the vast majority of people who just (laughs) want someone, like they don't know anything and they just want someone to give them a plan, it's just not sustainable for the majority of people. Um, It doesn't teach you anything. Like, obviously you can do a... I can give someone education with a meal plan, but it's a lot harder in their most of the time they don't even listen because they're like, oh, I got a plan. I'm good. You know, so it's it's a rocky road with meal plans for sure. Yeah, I do like how your answer was more of like an it depends versus like a firm no, like meal plans are terrible because you're right. I mean, there are definitely some people who absolutely know what to do and they they work either work crazy hours or whatever. Their life is super busy and they just need something to follow, even though they already know what to do. They just kind of need that rigidity. But I think you're right for most people who are trying to like build long-term habits, which is what most of our clients end up being like the vast majority of them. They need to learn those habits and just giving them a plan to be like, here, go follow this. It doesn't teach them anything. And, and that's why people hire coaches is to start learning something instead of just let me follow the plan. And then once my time with my coach is over, then what happens? Yeah, that's huge too. And And if you're someone who is maybe interested in a meal plan or like, this would really help me stick to, you know, my macros or, you know, whatever that may be, I think asking your coach, this is something I help a lot of people with is helping them create their own 
quote unquote meal plan, but make it flexible enough that they can like use different foods and um, just giving them the the tools to create a structure of some kind of plan. Like, okay, you know, planning out your your breakfast, lunch and dinner for the week. Maybe it changes every week um, and just giving them some sort of education as far as a plan for their meals go, not necessarily a meal plan, but that can be really helpful kind of creating structure for people as well. Yeah, I definitely see your point in that. Um, I frequently talk on this podcast about this one shady gym that I used to work for. So anyone listening is like, oh, God, here we go again. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, one of the very first uh, it was was pretty much the very first gym that I worked full time at. Um, There was a trainer there who would give everyone meal plans, wasn't a registered dietitian. So, you know, that's why I was kind of laughing when you were talking about that earlier. But he would give everyone the same meal plan and it was kind of like all right you can't eat carrots because sugar you can't eat corn because it has no nutritional value that's why you poop it right out i'm like fucking hell what is wrong with you and then all his clients would be talking about like oh i'm just having such a hard time sticking to the meal plan and the answer would just be like follow the plan like so helpful thank you Literally. Oh my God. That irks me. So, cause there's even people, and I'm sure that was like a few years back, but there's people who still do that stuff. And I, I see it. Like literally people will come to me and be like, you know, my last coach, it was great while I was on the plan. Like I just followed it and it was wonderful. I saw great results, but then what happens after, like they never coaches like that. They never teach you how to transition out of like, let's say a fat loss phase into the rest of your life. And I feel like that's so important, that transition, even if you are on a meal plan and you transition to another plan that maybe works for the next stage of your life. Like it's important to kind of bridge the gap between those things, especially when someone leaves us from coaching too. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's an important point to bring up is when someone leaves us from coaching, because I mean, for me, my goal with my clients is never to coach someone forever. Like there are kind of a few instances where people will want to stay with me forever. And that's great. That's fine. I would love to have you forever. But I mean, most people like, you know, they'll work with me for a year or two and then be like, okay, like I've learned a lot and now I'm ready to go on to my own. And that's, that's my goal for people is to like have them be able to learn enough and kind of graduate in a sense to be able to go out and do things on their own. And, you know, just giving somebody a meal plan isn't going to do that for them. So. Yes. I love that. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel that's a very underrated part and something that I probably in the last couple of years, like I've been coaching for, I don't know, six, seven years, but really in the last couple of years, I've really understood the importance of almost making like an exit strategy, what I like to call. So when people leave, it's like, you need to also give them tools and resources so that they can be successful. And sometimes, you know, for financial reasons, personal reasons, whatever, someone maybe leaves earlier than we think that they should. And sometimes it's inevitable that, you know, they start to backtrack just because it wasn't feasible for them. But I think we as coaches should do the best that we can to make sure that they have lifelong strategies um, to be successful way past when they're working with us. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something that I don't, I don't know. I, I think a lot of coaches don't have that. Like they just want people to be with them forever and just like keep that retention forever, keep the money coming in. Right. But I don't know. I think like if someone learns how to eat, like it just kind of has that like snowball effect of like, oh yeah, my coach was great. He taught me all this stuff. Starts telling all his friends, all our friends. And yeah, that's the nice thing. <laughs> And there is no better feeling. I'm sure you can attest to this as a coach, having someone who worked with you before reach out and be like, you oh. will never, 
I feel like you posted <laughs> something about this the other day. I think you did or a couple of weeks ago. Um, but yeah, there's no better feeling than someone being like, man, I learned so much. I'm still making progress. Like that is the best thing to hear as a coach. It, it really is. It makes me so happy when old clients reach out and be like, Hey, like, just want to let you know, I hit this on my squat today. And then they'll be like, is that good? <laughs> <laughs> is that good? <laughs> Like, fuck yeah, it's good. Yeah, hell yeah. When I you were it. working with me, like, you could squat eight pound dumbbells on your shoulders. <laughs> like, yeah, it's fucking yes. good. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I love it. That's like one of my favorite things about being a coach, really, is just like having people just report where their progress is and like share those wins with me. I mean, it's it's why I do what I do. It's It just makes me so happy. Same. I love it. Yeah. Um, so you were a competitive gymnast, right? And you had, you had a few injuries. So well, tell me a little bit more about that and tell me like how that got you to where you are now. Yeah. Oh man, this is a great one. So I feel gymnastics has its pros and cons. Um, as I'm sure, you know, it's one of the, in my opinion, one of the toughest sports out there, just as far as like technicality goes. And, um, it created, I will say one of the biggest pros, it created the best foundation I could ever have for like strength. Mm. Um, and this is why I'm kind of like you, Nick, I'm into more like heavy lifting, power lifting. Um, and I feel like gymnastics is mostly body weight. Like you use your body to do pretty much everything. There's no real resistance training, like with weights or anything. Um, and so I just feel like it created, it made my body like an absolute unit, <laughs> like it well truly said. <laughs> a unit. And I was this tiny little thing. Like I was stronger than all the other guys at the gym. Like it was insane. And so after I quit that, um, I ended up getting a back injury, broke my ankle. Um, so just a couple of things. And I was like, you know what? It's not worth it having like a lifelong injury like that. So I just called it quits. Um, and started getting into weightlifting, which is what I love to do now. And, um, yeah, I feel like heavy lifting and already having the foundation of that full body strength was the best thing that could have happened. Yeah. I, and I think that's kind of an interesting point about like injuries and gymnastics versus like, I, I've been reading a little bit about, um, injuries related to weightlifting and they're very few as far as like competitive sports go like very 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 few people get injured doing any type of powerlifting olympic lifting as long as they're they're following a smart training program right if they're like overshooting every time they're in the gym that's a different story or not managing their fatigue well that's a different story but if you're following a smart program the risk of injury is very low versus something like gymnastics where you misstep on a balance beam and then all of a sudden your ankle is shattered not to say that gymnastics is a bad sport like it's it's great i mean like you said you've got so much strength out of it it's a great foundation um but i think people shy away from things like weightlifting, powerlifting, gym workouts, et cetera, just because they think that there's a high risk of injury associated with it, where the the literature, the studies on it show that it's it's quite the opposite. It really helps you build a good foundation to not get injured. What a great point. Oh my gosh. I love that. Yeah. I feel like especially when people see maybe they're intimidated at the gym, they see someone, you know, back squatting 300 pounds, whatever that is, and like, oh my gosh, like wouldn't that hurt your back? And 
as long as you have some kind of guidance at the beginning and you're like doing it in a safe way, maybe you have someone spotting you, teaching you technique, like it is one of the best, weightlifting is one of the best ways to just bulletproof your body. It truly is. If you do it the right way and you, you know, practice like good range of motion and technique and all those things, it is one of the best, not only for overall health and longevity, but just for building your body to be, um, what's the word bulletproof. Yeah. Just like building it up. I feel like it's unbeatable. Truly. It really is. I used to work with a woman who I think she was in like her early seventies and she had been strength training pretty much her whole life. Like when she was younger, she was like the only woman at a gym. She used to go to a bodybuilding gym because, you know, it wasn't popular back in the eighties, seventies, nineties. Why did I say it in that order? Um, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, well, okay. (laughs) But she ended up needing to get a a knee replacement at one point in her life. But she had been able to delay that knee replacement by like 10 years just because of how much strength training she did. Her doctor was like, your bone density is insane. Like, this is why Like, you would have had to have had this knee replacement 10 years ago if you hadn't been doing this. So it's, it's just so good for your overall health. Mm -hmm. And not to mention, I mean, you can obviously probably talk about this too, is the confidence that you get, like Mm. lifting heavy shit is so empowering. I, I can't even explain why or how, but it's just like, you get under the bar, like you set a new PR and it is just like freaking best feeling. And it can turn your mood around like that. And it's just like, focusing on that strength aspect and just getting a little bit better in your training every day, I feel like really brings people so much confidence. And that's a really underrated thing with lifting too. That's such a good point. And I think about that a lot too. I think about how when you first start, you're at such like a low confidence level. And then as you get better, it's, it's very quick to see the progress and it's very easy to track. Like you can look back at where you were a couple of years ago and be like, wow, like when I first started a couple of years ago, I was squatting 135 and now I'm squatting in like the mid three hundreds. Like that's a huge difference. So clearly like I'm able to do things that two years ago, I didn't think I'd ever be capable of achieving yet. Here we are. How else can that translate into my life? What else can I achieve? Yeah. Yeah. And the coolest thing too, about like strength focused goals in particular, rather than like a body composition goal is you can pretty much to a certain point, but you can pretty much get stronger no matter what your goal is, right? Like your goal in a deficit should be to keep getting stronger, maybe not build muscle because that's going to be pretty hard, but like getting stronger is still extremely possible, even if your goal is fat loss. And I feel like seeing not only the body composition changes, but also my strength is going up. Like I'm feeling good in the gym. If you're doing it the right way, um, it's just a really cool thing to me. Yeah, it's a big confidence builder. And plus, like if you're if you're training in a deficit, you kind of get that confidence of like body composition changes and strength changes, which is kind of fun. I mean, I'm the kind of person who I mean, I think we all are the kind of person who absolutely hates being in a calorie deficit. (laughs) (laughs) And it's it's something I've been on for, I don't know, a couple months now. But like still building a shitload of strength in the gym on a deficit. And I can't wait to not be in a deficit anymore because I'm going to build so much more strength and my workout's going to feel way better. But <laughs> yeah, so but I think that's your... something underrated too. It's like taking breaks from being in a deficit, right? Like 
we're in a deficit for a long time. And then you, you go into maintenance and you're like, holy shit, my strength is so much more. These workouts feel great. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is so important. That's another underrated thing is like taking systematic breaks before your body starts to like, before you really start to feel it. Right. So obviously if you're in a deficit for a long time and you don't take any breaks, you're just always at the same amount of calories you're going to start to feel really fatigued and really shitty in the gym. You know, like it's going to catch up to you. And I feel like almost being proactive about it, being like, Hey, all right, this weekend, I'm going to take, you know, two days, raise my calories up to maintenance, maybe slight surplus. Um, and just give your body and your mind, honestly, that break is so important in a fat loss phase. Yeah, absolutely. You were going to ask me something when I started talking about calorie deficit and I totally cut you off. What were you going to ask me? I was going to ask you when are when are you planning to kind of transition out of that phase? Is it in the next couple months or? Um, yeah, definitely, probably within the like a month from now ish. Um, so I'm cutting weight specifically for competition. I need to get to a certain weight class. Um, so I'm gonna probably hover about four ish pounds above that weight class, and then do my first ever water cut for powerlifting. Not looking forward to that. <laughs> my coach was talking to me about that. And she was like, yeah, there's going to be a couple of days where you have to drink like five grams of soy sauce or pickle juice for the salt content. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> no one can see my face on the podcast right now, but I am cringing so hard at the thought of that. So that's going to be really exciting. I'm probably not going to document that one. <laughs> I was going to say, honestly, I would love to see, I feel like that would be a super interesting, like catchy line for a video. Be like how I had to drink five grams of soy sauce for a <laughs> <laughs> like clickbait, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, like the thing is, um, going into competition, I don't want to be training in a deficit for the entire time because it's going to be like we talked about, you can build strength in deficit, but it's so much easier when you're at more of a maintenance phase. Um, so just leading into a competition, I don't want to minimize that strength gain. So the sacrifices I'm going to make is going to be very fun, especially because I suck at this kind of thing. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. So explain to me just a little bit briefly, like, so you're going to drink or whatever. Pick up <laughs> and then do you like not drink a lot of water or do you also chase it with a lot of water? I can, I can look at the plan. Hold on. I'll tell you because she just told me last night. So basically the plan is roughly, so like first couple of days you drink a shitload of water and you intake a shitload of salts. And then like the two or three days leading up to it, you, you, um, cut back on carbs. So like minimal carbs, uh, very minimal salt. There's one day where it's like, don't season your food. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely under no circumstance. And then uh, like the night before it's like, don't eat or drink anything past 5 PM. And then, you know, you weigh in in the morning and then you just like eat a shitload. So by the way, for those people listening, do not follow this advice unless you are, <laughs> unless you are cutting weight for any kind of competition and you are in a good relationship with food. Um, if you have any kind of negative relationship with food, I would not recommend this. And I do want to say that sometimes myself, I have a negative relationship with food. So I am kind of nervous to do this. Um, I think there may have been a time in my life where I had undiagnosed binge eating disorder. So this could be a very scary thing for me to do. We're going to see what happens with it. And um, I'm going to give it my best shot. And, you know, if it triggers any of those feelings, like 
not a thing to do in the future, but you know, I'm willing to try anything once. So, yeah, I love that you're open and honest about that too. I feel like not a lot of coaches are, I guess, confident enough to say that they actually struggle with some of these things themselves. Like, I feel like we all go through, I mean, even going back to gymnastics, like the whole body image type of thing, that was a huge, huge thing for me. Um, as far as like overcoming once I gained weight after I stopped competing, because Mm. I couldn't eat 3000 calories a day anymore, you know, like it was, (laughs) you know, my activity greatly decreased. And I feel like that transition too was something that was really hard for me. And now I use that. I use my own experience and kind of transition my clients over in a way that was a lot healthier than what I did back then. Yeah. I think that's something as coaches that we are somewhat hesitant to talk about sometimes because we feel like we have to be on all the time. But Mm -hmm. I also feel like we're, we're human too, right? I think everyone struggles with certain things, whether it's nutrition, whether it's training. And just because you're in this profession doesn't mean that you can't struggle too. And, you know, it kind of makes, it kind of makes me feel a little more relatable to just like be open about that and be like, yeah, like it's, it's fucking hard. And that's why, that's why I have a coach to help me too. Cause it's fucking hard. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. These things are not easy. Like we could talk about, you know, all kinds of things all day. And just because we have the insight to give you and we could tell you step-by-step step how to do things, realize that every it's going to be hard. Like no matter what your goal is, it's going to be hard. And, you know, accepting that is probably one of the most important steps when I start working with someone is like, very beginning, set the expectation. Like there are going to be days where you don't want to do any of this and you have no motivation and you know, you're going to want to quit just like setting that expectation. Cause we all go through that no matter what your goal is. Absolutely. We all lose motivation from time to time. I lose motivation. You lose motivation. Every single person loses motivation. And you know, it's, it's not, it's not us being motivated all the time that makes it successful. It's, pushing through those times where you don't feel motivated and doing it anyway is what makes you successful. Yeah. I think the number one, like if you are struggling with motivation, the best thing you can do and the hardest thing it's really hard is to just take action. Mm -hmm. Like even if it's just showing up to the gym, even if you don't get a workout and you just walk in the treadmill for five minutes and you're like, I can't do this today. Like at least you showed up and then, you know, the next time if you keep showing up, eventually you're going to get into a routine. You're going to be like, Hey, I think I'm ready for this today. And just showing up and getting there is almost the hardest part. But once you start taking those actions, like it's all going to fall into place. Yeah. You're so right. Um, makes me think of one of the clients that I have. I just started working with her. We've been working together for like, I don't know, three months or so now. And she was going through a job change. So she was working like this crazy job that had her working like 60 hour weeks. And she's like, yeah, I need to get out of this job. And I'm just like really struggling to get into the gym because my life is so busy. And some days she texts me and be like, today, I'm not going to follow the plans today. Today is just going to be a, she'd call it a consistency day. So there's the plan is to like, to just go into the gym, do something that she likes, which for her is leg press. She's like, yeah, I'm just going to go do leg press today. (laughs) And then she's going to walk out of the gym. And I'm like, cool, that's fine. Like, do you building that habit of going into the gym and doing something is way better than you just like sitting at home and eating bonbons. I I don't know. I think, I think that's just, just go for it. Just do something. Something's always better than nothing. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And same thing goes for nutrition. Like if you, let's say you track your macros or, or something, track your food. Um, one day, if you can just track your breakfast and lunch and you don't get to dinner or snacks, like at least you did something, at least you're bringing awareness to it. And you're like, Hey, this was all I showed up. This is all I could do today. And tomorrow, you know, you just try to be 0.0001% better. You know, it's like building that momentum over time, even when you're not motivated. And again, it's so hard. Like it sucks sometimes, but just kind of building that action. That's how, that's what determines successful people from unsuccessful is like, they still take action even when they're not motivated. Yeah. And th- and that's definitely like a big way to just build overall consistency, which by the way, can you tell me more about this consistency challenge you're doing? Cause I fucking love that. I saw that the other day. I'm like, Oh, Casey. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So actually, um, yeah, on Instagram, what he's referring to, I'm um, on my stories. I'm kind of documenting like a, a little October consistency challenge and how it started is one, the holidays are coming up, which is absolutely freaking insane. Like, how is it already almost the holiday season? But um, <laughs> I know, oof, like, <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. But um, so kind of leading up to it, I wanted to do something with my one-on-one clients that was like motivating for them going into the holiday season and kind of getting them into the swing of things because we know once the holidays hit, you know, consistency drops, all of those kind of things. So I'm basically doing a um, six week consistency challenge with them. And I decided, Hey, might as well share it on Instagram and get other people involved. And um, basically it's tracking your consistency because that's pretty much one major thing that you can control with your, you know, nutrition workouts, steps, whatever that may be for you. Um, and just tracking it the next month, like the month of October and seeing, you know, aiming for that 80% consistency, 80, 20 rule, obviously, um, is kind of what we like to go by. And then just seeing what happens and seeing the progress that you really can make in just a month. Yeah. And I love that. And I love that you're like putting the little calendar up on your story with like, I was consistent this day. I'm sure there'll be some days where you're like, Oh, I wasn't. And that's fine. And that's fine. I think people are like, Oh, I missed one day. Well, fuck it. Yep. So, and, and I think one of the things that I've learned recently, um, I actually learned this from Alan Aragon is he was doing this thing. Cause because you're doing like the, the X and the O method, right? So like you get an X on the day that you're consistent and an O on a day you're not consistent. Um, so one thing that he talked about was instead of doing that, doing what he called the consistency rubric. And this, this blew me away when he talked about it. He was like, choose five goals that you want to hit for yourself and grade yourself on that. So I've been I've been doing this for the last few months. So for me, my five goals are hitting my calories, hitting my protein goal, eating two servings of vegetables, eating two pieces of fruit and hitting 8,000 steps. So I'll write down on the calendar how many of things of those things I got. So I'll see like a lot of fours and fives on my calendar be like, great, every now and then here's a two. So it feels like if you if you miss one, it's not like, oh, well, well, fuck it. It's like, well, I still got a two. Like, that's pretty good. I like that a lot, actually. Yeah, Alan Aragon, man, that's a good one. Alan's a genius. Yeah. He is. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Because I feel like, yeah, it can be hard, especially if you're tracking your consistency with, you know, steps and nutrition and workouts. Like those are three components and each of those have kind of sub components. So it's like, if you don't get one day, it could kind of turn into that all or nothing mindset where it's like, oh, you know, fuck it. Like I already messed up this day. Might as well, you know, especially if it's a weekend, like weekends are hard for people. So yeah, I love that. 
Yeah. And, and the thing I like about that too, is like those goals can be individualized to you. So like my goals are my goals. Someone else is going to have completely different goals. I have a client who's like, I really want to track my fiber. I need to get this much fiber a day. I'm like, cool. Yeah. Let's make that one of your goals. It's fucking awesome. So yeah. I, I kind of like the individuality concept of that too. Mm-hmm. Alan Aragon. If you don't know who he is, go look him up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it also teaches you that teaches you kind of goal setting and like realistic goal setting. Cause if you find that, okay, let's say your step goal was at 10,000 a day, but you're, you can only realistically get 9,000. It's like, what the hell, why would you not just change that down to 9,000 so that you can actually be consistent with it? Cause that's a, a whole part of consistency is like setting something that's actually realistic. So you're not just shooting for the stars and never hitting it. Yeah, definitely. And that's something I've been kind of doing as I've been going through this is like modifying what is realistic for me. And the way I've been kind of thinking about doing that is using decimal points. So I had one one piece of fruit instead of two. All right, I got a 3.5 for the day. Great. (laughs) Hell yeah. Yeah, it's that getting away from all or nothing is I'm sure you face that a lot with your clients. That's a big like mindset block almost. Um, I don't know why it is like, I don't know why innately we're just wired to kind of go all or nothing. Have you ever thought about that before? Uh, yeah, actually I, I have, I, I think I have a podcast where I talked about this. Um, cool. I think all or nothing is basically giving yourself an out. So if you, if you make a small mistake, you could be like, Oh, well, well, fuck it. Now I can quit. It's literally self-sabotage and it's giving yourself an excuse to be able to quit. And I think we all kind of have that hardwired into us is to give ourselves an option to be like, well, I don't want to do this anymore. So here's my way out. It's like, I just made this minor slip up. So now I can stop doing it all together. I like that a lot. That makes total sense. Like self-sabotage, almost like perfectionist type of thing. And it's like using that as an excuse, like, oh, I'm a perfectionist. If I didn't get this, you know, it's not good enough. Yeah, that's good. And like, I don't know all that much about the psychology of it. It's kind of just like my hot take on it. Yeah. But I I think it's pretty true. Like I I see that in myself a lot. I see that in my past, like all or nothing habits or or even times where I felt like binge eating a lot. Like if I went two calories over, I'd be like, okay, well, that's my excuse to just go into the cabinets and yeah. eat all the chocolate. Uh- <laughs> yeah. So I it's definitely a- think that's that's part of what it is, is just self-sabotage and just giving yourself an excuse to just do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. So it's almost like using it as an excuse to continue messing up. Like, you know, Jordan always talks about that. Actually, Jordan Syatt, if, if people don't know him by now, I better go follow him. But he always <laughs> says, like, I think this is where I got it from. He always says, you can't fuck this up. Like, you mm-hmm. cannot fuck this up unless you give up altogether. That's the only way that you can actually mess this thing up. And I think that's such an important piece of that mindset block of all or nothing is like realizing that as long as you keep showing up, as long as you keep taking action, even if it's just one small thing every day, like you will not mess up. You'll eventually be successful if you just keep going. Yeah. And I don't think anyone ever truly gives up. I don't think that's a thing. Like maybe you'll give up for a week, maybe you'll even give up for a month, but at some point you're going to be like, all right, Let's get back on this. And at that point, you've gotten back. So you still have not fucked up. You are still trying. Mm -hmm. 
That's, oh, that's a good point too. Yeah. It's like a, a short-term give up, if you will. It's never like for the rest of your life, like you're never going to try again. Like that, that never really happens. Yeah. I mean, maybe there are situations where it does, but like overall, I think that's the, the, a very small minority of people. Yeah. And that's why you should hire a coach because we help you through those things. We help make sure you don't give up. That's my number one goal for people is to make sure you don't fucking quit. <laughs> yes. No matter what, even if you need to go into the gym and have a consistency day where all you do is leg press, you are not quitting. <laughs> I love it. So it's funny to me that it's leg press because that is like one of my least favorite exercises. It's like, I don't know why I fucking hate the leg press. Is it really? (laughs) I don't know why. (laughs) She loves it because she knows how much weight she can load up on. She's like, yeah, I did like 600 pounds on the leg press. I'm like, you're a fucking badass. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Yeah. There's something Um, motivating about seeing all those plates on the side. I don't really like leg press either. It's it's not that fun to me. I'd prefer to squat any day of the week. But, you know, I can't remember the last time I leg pressed. Yeah, I I honestly don't include it in my program anymore. I used to I used to be so like not concerned but so much more focused on like building an aesthetic body. And then I realized like you will build an aesthetic body with heavy lifting. Like it's definitely possible. You don't have to do like certain exercises for your quads or your glutes. It's like just do the fundamental exercises and you're going to get a body that you're really happy with. Yeah, that's a good point because I think people are really caught up in like the optimal exercises to do no shade at uh jpg coaching here but i think people get really caught up in some of the stuff that he posts and like being completely optimal and doing like having the exact right cable angle and all, and it doesn't matter like if you just go in and do the exercises you are going to build an aesthetic now if you're maybe if you're a, a bodybuilding competitor that kind of stuff matters but for the average person let's go in do some basic compound lifts, do some, do a few isolation exercises and you're going to build an aesthetic. Don't mm-hmm. get caught up in all that minutia because it doesn't matter. I totally agree. And often I find that people who are simply chasing the like aesthetics of it, they never actually get there. Like they're always chasing it, but it's like, oh, I, I just can't build the body that I want. Like I'm doing all these exercises and usually it's because they're missing the fundamentals. Like you're missing the forest for the trees, you know, like it's, you can't focus on the minutia, just do the same hard shit, progressive overload. And like, you'll get there. (laughs) Yeah. If you're a beginner and you're worried about training a muscle in the shortened versus the lengthened position, um, you're, you're missing the forest for the trees for sure. Just, just do the exercises. (laughs) (laughs) True, true, true. Um, yeah, if you're like five to 10 years into your training career and you want to have a different aesthetic, then what, like if you want to keep building your aesthetic, then sure that that stuff matters, but don't get caught up in it. Yeah. I feel like most people listening to this podcast are not in that boat. So, <laughs> most, yeah, most people we work with definitely are not. Although it is fun. Occasionally, I get someone who's like pretty advanced, not like, you know, super advanced, but someone who's like, you know, five, 10 years of weightlifting under their belt. And it's almost like a fun challenge for me because I don't see it very often because most of the time, like, I don't know about you, but most of my clients are more like beginners. Um, So it's really fun when I get someone who's like pretty advanced. I'm like, all right, this is a cool challenge. Like I I actually really enjoy working with, um, with some people like that. Yeah, that's definitely fun. Um, I have one client, I mean, she's a beginner in a sense, but also not 
Um, we've been working together for about two years now and she, she wants to compete in her first powerlifting competition. So like, that's been a fun challenge for me is learning how to program for powerlifting, um, and reading up on all that kind of stuff has been super fun for me. So it's, it's a whole different thing, like training someone for who just wants to build a general aesthetic or who just wants to like get a little bit stronger in the gym versus someone who actually wants to compete. It's, it's a lot of fun to program completely different things for completely different people. And that's part of what's the, what the fun of this coach, uh, what the fun of coaching is. I'm really having a hard time with my words today, Casey. Um, <laughs> Happens to the best of us. Is that everyone's different. Everyone needs a different program. No, no one's getting that same exact meal plan where you can't eat carrots and you can't eat corn because there's no nutritional value. <laughs> Everyone needs something different. By the way, there is nutritional value to corn just in case you're wondering. Thank you very yeah. much. <laughs> Even if you poop it out. Yep. There's still nutritional value. That's <laughs> yeah. I, that's one of my biggest pet peeves is like, as coaches, we obviously all have templates and ways like specific systems that we use to program clients. Like that's pretty much given, but it irks me. I've had people come to me and be like, yeah, me and my friend, like we got this coach together and we have the same exact program, but we have different goals. And like, why, I guess, why did she get this? I'm like, that's just straight up a coach giving you like cookie cutter programs. Like that's not individualized at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have maybe like six to eight beginner programs that I'll use and then make changes based on, you know, what someone wants to achieve, whether they have, I don't know, a knee injury, they have shit ankle mobility, whatever, like start with the template and then make swaps as you go. But if you're getting the same exact, like, I don't, I've never given someone the same exact program. That's dirty. That's just dirty. Mm -hmm. I know. And I'm always like, I'm the kind of person where I feel guilty that I'm like, what if they talk to each other? And then they're like, you know, like, I just could not be able to do that. I'd be like, so in my head about it, you know? Yeah, for sure. I definitely, definitely agree with that. And that's, that's the annoying thing about some coaches in the industry. We yeah. could go on a rant for hours about that. Yeah, I don't want to throw too much shade. I already feel bad throwing a little bit at JPG. I think he's a good yeah. guy. I think he has a lot of good content out there too. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Is there anything else we want to hit on today, Casey? I feel like we, we talked about like a million different things, which is kind of cool. I feel like usually when I do podcasts, like we kind of stick to one topic, but we just like, we covered the whole spectrum. But I yeah. feel like there's a million different other things. If you got anything on your mind. Oh, man, I think we we pretty much covered it. I think more of the story, like every person is different. Every person has different needs. So like we can give generalizations about things. We can say, you know, for most people, X, Y, Z. But at the end of the day, like each person is a little bit different in our mm -hmm. approach. And while we use some of the same like systems for people and, you know, general approaches, it's important that you realize that that's what a coach does for you is like, make sure, you know, that you have a program that's actually going to work for you and not just work for the masses and hope that it works for you. So it's important. Yeah, definitely. That's such a good point. It's general things are going to work. Going in and doing exercises are going to work. Even if you were to give someone the same exact program, it would work, but mm -hmm. different people are different and they need different things and everyone might need slightly different exercises, different rep schemes, etc. Um, so 
if you hire a coach who gives everyone the same exact plan, you're going to get results, but you're going to get a lot better results if you work with someone who is going to specifically individualize it to you. You actually just posted about this today. You posted something about um, if you, oh no, this was about quick fixes, but my brain went to like, if you hire a coach who charges like basically nothing and gives you an individual like cookie cutter plan, you get what you pay for. And if you hire a coach who charges a little more and gives you an individual plan that's specifically for you, you get what you pay for. You get exactly mm-hmm. what you pay for. <laughs> yeah. I think that the one you're referring to is like cheap is actually the more expensive option. Yes. You're going to end up, if you keep buying these cheap programs year after year and you're just not getting the results, you're going to end up paying more in the long run than just hiring a quality coach who charges what they're worth and what you're getting. Um, and it's going to save you money and time and frustration and all of those things in the long run. Mm-hmm. Be, be willing to spend some money like if you want to do it i mean you can get a cheap one fine but like eventually you'll find the one who charges a little more money and you'll actually get a lot better results out of it because if you hire the cheap one it's probably not going to go that well for you you might get something in the beginning but you know yeah get what you pay for get what you pay for well cool this has been an awesome time um this has been one of the most fun podcasts i've ever done i feel like i laughed throughout the entire thing i hope (laughs) everyone listening at home or in the car is laughing along with us uh casey how can people find you yeah this is really fun thanks for having me nick um i am mostly on instagram and my handle is casey nicole underscore rd um i'm on facebook and stuff too but pretty much post the same stuff there so who uses Facebook anymore? <laughs> right. That's like such a 90s thing. <laughs> so true. Well, thank you so much for doing this. This was amazing. And thank you to everyone for listening. Yeah. Thanks so much.